Hello and welcome back to the Attacking 2 podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and I'm joined as always as by my fellow host, Andy Martin. And today by two brilliant guests, two both from the Chelsea Echo. Um, for one, we have the unbelievable Terry Sazio coming back to the podcast. Thanks for coming on, mate. And then we, of course, have a newcomer to this podcast. We have Matisse up-and-coming Twitter star, always giving <laughs> good insight on his videos, and we're very glad to introduce him to our podcast today. And we will be speaking about something which isn't such a nice topic, but we'll try and give it a positive spin. That will be Chelsea's game against Burnley yesterday. We'll be talking about our top four hopes and, of course, Callum Hudson-Odoi's injury and future. With that being said, as always, there's only one question. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. All right, boys, lads. <sighs> Yesterday was rough. I think we can all agree on that not having gone as well as we had planned. Uh, as the newcomer, <laughs> Matisse, tell us, what were your first thoughts after the final whistle? Um, do you know, we have to come to expect this from our team this season because we've obviously had the opportunity to overtake our rivals before in past games and we failed to do so. But I think yesterday just hurt a lot more because for the, like, for the first time, every single team around us had, had lost. And it was a fantastic opportunity for us to just put our name down in, in, in the hat for the top four. And even still, if we had won, we still wouldn't be, you know, in the driving seat because we played the game more. But it was at home to Burnley, who they was mathematically going to be safe after the draw. But like they, they weren't really going down anyway. And it was just such a good opportunity to win. Obviously, the lineup was great as well. So that made it even more disappointing because, you know, we put a lot of faith into these players that started mm. um, as well. Definitely, definitely. I, I'd expect, Terry, you'll echo that. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with what Mars said. It's, it just felt like the perfect opportunity to take advantage of what felt like a miraculous gift given to us. But as per usual this season, every time we've been given a chance or an opportunity by other teams' mistakes, we have failed to capitalise on it. Um I still believe even if we won, like Matisse, we, I don't think you would have been all signed, sealed and delivered because I've been saying it for a few weeks now, whether on social media or in podcasts, I believe the, the, the defining game will be this Sunday against Manchester United. I've said that for a while now. I think whatever the outcome is, that pretty much decides what our chances are of a top four or not top four. But yesterday, it, it, even though we got a point out of it, it felt like a defeat in the end because... It just it just felt like an opportunity that we just could not afford to um, um, pass up, and it's it's hard because it's it just feels like the match was a combination of what our season has been pretty much a typical yo-yo game where one half were amazing, one half were pretty abject. It uh, it's just frustrating. Chelsea literally. The FC and Chelsea FC might also stand for frustration. That's what it feels like at the moment. (laughs) 
I mean, let's let's pick up right here in the game. Um, Andy, uh, what did you make of, because Terry mentioned frustration, what did you make of Sari's in-game management yesterday? Because he did make a few substitutions. He was forced to, to be fair. But um, did you think that at halftime, for example, because this is something that was mm-hmm. bugging me, Mateo Kovacic coming on for the injured N'Golo Kante was a good choice or should they have brought on Ross Barkley? <laughs> well, um, I don't think that would have made any difference bringing on Ross Barkley, uh, to be fair. Uh, I, I don't rate uh, Ross Barkley anyway, and I don't rate Mateo Kovacic in his current form. So, um I think uh, Pedro was the obvious one for Callum Hudson-Odoi all along. Um, so he yeah. couldn't, couldn't do any different. Maybe he could have swapped uh, Loftus-Cheek to the wing, but I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be fond on that. So um, regarding his in-game management, I have no problem at all. I, I just think it was, it was just a dire performance all along. Like, uh, after, the, uh, after the two goals, I don't think there was anything that convinced me in that game. Like, we had three quarters of, of the possession in that game, but nothing really came off. And um, it could have taken us 20 more shots to not score a goal. Um, and it was just, well, it, at least thinking back to last season, as we want to give it a positive spin, we lost at home against Burnley. Now <laughs> it, is, it is a 2-2. Um, now that's positive. So, so oh, what positive. are we complaining about, boys? What are we complaining <laughs> about? But no, in all seriousness, um, it feels... Um, I don't even feel hard done by or anything. It's just it's just the case that we're not good enough. And if mm. you get delivered a chance by all your um, opponents' teams to actually do... Uh, well, it is expected of you to win against Burnley at home. So get the three points, put yourself in the, in the driving seat, get the third position, and then, um, yeah, let's see and hope for the, for the top four. But now um, having a game played more like... All the other teams have a game in hand on us. Um, it doesn't look good at all because if Manchester United, well, they they're going to lose against uh, Manchester City. But anyway, um, I'm not I'm not going down down that route of now counting points and all that. I just think if we carry on like that, playing against all the other teams like we played against Burnley, we are not going yeah. to make top four. It's also to be said, would we even deserve top four after the uh, last few really dire performances? I mean, not necessarily in the last few weeks but since the start you know the turn of the year there have been some performances in there but that really you wouldn't say is worthy of being in the top four and (laughs) we have some players that are desperately out of form Gonzalo Higuain did score an absolute cracker yesterday that was brilliant but otherwise it was all up to Eden Hazard again I mean let's let's speak a bit about Callum Hudson because we I'm sure all of us have been clamouring for him to play since uh, the start of the season, um, as most of the fan base has. He's been great, but against Liverpool and yesterday, he wasn't that effective, which it would be said is normal for someone his age. But what would you make of his performance yesterday before he unfortunately injured himself, Matisse? Um, do you know what it is with Hudson and Doyers? Um, and we've seen the San- same with Sancho when he came up against Tottenham in the Champions League. Um, these young players are very, you know, up and down with their form. And we've seen the best of Hudson and Doyle in the Europa League and in, in, in the Premier League a few few times as well. But we have to be very careful not to 
over expect from him he's he's 18 for a reason you know he's gonna have those moments where he doesn't really know what he's doing in the game obviously experience comes with that and the when we lost when we took him off even though he wasn't playing well we still lose something from the team because psychologically for the opposition they know that he's our second most dangerous winger that's they just know that Absolutely, and they back yeah. They, yeah they back off immediately when he's when he's not on when he's on the pitch they'll you know they'll check in behind them because of the pace and his accurate crossing and even when he's not playing well that gives Hazard more space to do what he does and as soon as he came off we lost a lot of width and this is why I partly um and this is why on on Twitter even though I am sorry and I'm sorry in with criticism because for me in game he did do a few things wrong but when you lose Hudson and Doy you lose the width and we don't have much natural width in this team Hazard comes inside William comes inside Pedro comes inside Aspilicueta not great out in the wide positions either. All of his crosses really from Morata earlier in the season and the year before were from an inside uh, right position. And in the title winning season at right centre-back, his crossing from the inside right position was fantastic. But for some reason, when you move him five or ten yards out, he can't cross. Um, Emerson crossing was over here as well. So we don't have much natural width. And that's the main problem for me. So even when hudson Doy is not playing well, he's still... Um, needs to be on the pitch, in my opinion, until those other two wingers step up, which I don't see happening. But just quickly to go back to the game management, Sarri, for me, did mess up not bringing on a second striker as well because I understand him only using the one formation, the one system, but to start the game, because obviously he's training the players with the movements and whatnot. But when we're chasing Burnley, and this is I don't understand how this can even happen because clearly the homework wasn't done. Burnley parked the bus. That's to be expected. That's the way they play their football. A lot of people complain on Twitter saying, oh, they play dirty, this, that, and the third. They're time-wasting. They're Burnley Football Club. Literally, listen to the name, hear it. It is. It, it just smells of shithousery. So how people can complain and say, oh, they've done this, they've done that. We know Burnley. We, we've played them years upon years, them trying to injure Matic, etc. We know what they're like. And for me, to not go to a 4-2-4, and bring on Giroud, and you've already got Higuain who's scored as well, and just start lumping it into the box and just scrap all the beautiful football for a second and just lump it in the box and try and get knockdowns to smash it in, for me, was a failure. But, yeah, when we lost Hudson and Doy for me, that was... It's it's more, it's not even really the match for me. It's the long-term injury. I don't know how he's going to come back from it, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's tough to hear. Mm. I mean... Uh, one thing I do have to immediately disagree with is I, I get that you, you said with Burnley, you know, everyone should accept that's just the way they play. And yes, sure. But they started time wasting after approximately a quarter of an hour. And the amount of times these big lads, you know, that like to dish out continually were lying on the floor like yeah. absolute pussies. <laughs> that was ridiculous. And that was not more than shithousery. That was really on the verge of myself describing that as unfair play because yeah. they were, they were completely battering our players hazard I, I i could imagine he, he had some bloody ankles yesterday again because mm -hmm. they they were they were ridiculous and kevin friend that would be a good question so pulling out to 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 you terry what did you make of kevin friend's performance because we shouldn't normally blame a referee for uh, performance like yesterday and we shouldn't generally because those were our own mistakes but his management of the game was dire was it not did he even turn up good question i mean let's be honest i mean you your your mention about the time waste and burnley were time wasting from the second they started the game literally 
it felt like watching Tom Heat and Timeways, it felt like I was caught in a vicious circle because it was time after. And what makes me laugh is, is actually by booking him, it did nothing because he still continued to do it. But it was so obvious that the referee did not have the bottle then to send him off by doing it again. So by actually booking him, he actually saved him in a, in a funny way because it, it's almost like, it's like, oh, I've booked you now, so that's it, you've been punished. He, kept, he was like, whatever, I'll keep doing it after the booking. There was no consistency. There was no... There was no backbone from the officials. They all they were more worried about oh Sari's foot was 0.8 of a millimeter inside the Burnley box. <laughs> oh, who cares about that crap? Every manager does that every game. They're more worried about the most irrelevant things than the more important things. Like for example, explain to me how Tarkovsky was it Tarkovsky? I can't remember. Was um not punished for the blatant um block to Pedro, Pedro right? Yeah. That was where ridiculous. where was where was the officiating on that? It was just like, oh, no, oh. And then you're hearing Andy Hinchcliffe, a.k.a. anti-Chelsea. Oh, he wasn't going to get the ball anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, if that would have been Chelsea, yeah, he would have said, it, oh, no, it has to be a foul, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, you know, the, problem, the reason why Andy Hinchcliffe didn't see it, because he can't see passes over, but I'll leave that one for another day. But it's just, it, the officiating was awful. And I think... I think Neil Warnock against us summed it up perfectly. Best league in the world for actual football, but the worst league in the world for officiating. Our officiating is absolutely dire. Yeah. It's terrible. And it's not a coincidence that not a single England, English officiated, or well, a FIFA appointed a referee or linesman or assistant referee because we can't be PC and blah, 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 and all that crap, was not appointed at a World Cup last year. It's no coincidence. Mm. I think also, just sorry, just to counter that, um, just to, just because I wanna, I wanna also just the only reason why I say is, um, I think I don't want us to get onto the point of blaming Burnley for our draw because I think mm. you know over the years we would if we was doing what Burnley did, say away to Liverpool two 0 win at Anfield when we had the Champions League either side. Um, stopping there on their title run we were just as bad you know we were time wasting we were doing all, and we praised Mourinho for it and our team because it just showed you know intelligence really they you know we knew we was going to Anfield on the back foot and we didn't really have the quality to outplay them so we did the dirty work and I know I, now we're moving to a new way of football but I don't want us to lose that grit I, and that hardcore determination to win matches and that little bit of shithousery because right now this team's starting to give me a lot of Arsenal vibes from when they used to complain about, mm. you know, it's too tough and we're getting over, um, it's, it's getting a bit too over physical here. We're conceding goals from set pieces. In the All past, right. we would never concede goals from set pieces. So it's a balance for me, you know, but there was a lot of ball crap in that game. Right. I, have to I, get, that makes sense, yeah. I get yeah. I get what you mean by that, but the difference between us when we've done it in the past and when Burnley do it is when we do it, it's a one-off. Burnley do it every game. Yeah, but that's also that's... due to the fact that they're poor, a poor squad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the second half, literally, literally the very second Hudson Odoi went off, our width completely went out of the game, and they was like, "Fine, we'll just park the bus." They literally became eleven zero zero formation second half. They yeah. weren't even remotely interested in coming out of their penalty box last night. 
Yeah, if, 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 if we was all managing Burnley, that's what we would do, if we're being honest. Like, you look at their, their squad, it's mm. not a squad to come out and play at Stamford Bridge, you know? That's what, that's what they have to do. Yeah, but let's, 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 that I'd doesn't excuse absolutely dirty play by some players of them. I mean, Ashley Barnes is a... Let, uh, we, we can swear on here, just uh, so you know, Matisse. Ashley no, Barnes is a cunt. God. He's a, he's a <laughs> grade one cunt, and... I agree with the shithousery. I think Andy and uh, we we spoke about this in Prague uh, that we're just missing mm-hmm. this old guard that just mm-hmm. you know dig in. There's no, there's no aggression in our team. We're yeah. too. I don't want to use the word because I don't want people to think I'm going too far. But our team is too snowflake. There's no yeah. aggression in our team. Mm. I'm it's not very, asking yeah. for someone to hack someone's kneecap or but but the likes of having the players in recent years, I'm not saying we've got getting back, I'm just saying in this example, someone like Diego Costa, we would were crying out for that sort of aggression in our mm. team right now. It's, crying it's, out for it's it. It's a just, very just, passive just, team. It's just quick yeah. yeah, just quickly yeah. to get this question to Andy. Um because there have been people on Twitter that have said that the snowflake behaviour uh has been caused by Marito Sorry, would you agree with that or was it already apparent beforehand? <sighs> Well, you, you have to have uh, players that allow um, a Burnley performance against you. You know, we had we had lots of teams coming to Stamford Bridge in recent years trying to do a Burnley against us. But it's whether you you accept that. Well, it's getting tough, and we're backing out of of duels, and whether whether you want to to stick a boot in when they do, or if you back off. And that's what we're doing right now. And we had teams in recent years that didn't. Uh, um, but of course, it all drips down to the manager as well, because once you have players that allow it, it's up to the manager to motivate them to a level where they don't allow it. But Maurizio Sarri can't do it. And, and to pick up uh, upon one point that was mentioned two times, I think, uh, that we lack width, um, um, uh, I would completely agree. But what's the point in having width in the team? When it don't get bodies into the box, I invite yeah. everyone, everyone out of True. you, everyone out, out mm. of the listeners, to uh, watch it next time when we play against any team. In fact, how many players do we have inside the box when yep. the ball gets crossed into it? We are having two, if it's on, on a good two occasion, most. three, mostly yeah. up against seven or eight defenders. Yeah. So what's the point of crossing anyway? I, I, I can't get my head around it. Where are all the midfield players? That are supposed to get into the box in these kind of situations, um, and that's what, very valid. what worries me. Mm. Our team that's is too a very static. valid point. Yeah. Mm. Well, and and, and one, one point as well. Sorry, one one one, one more point about Callum Hudson Odoi, and this might be controversial, but I thought like not immediately, but maybe a few minutes after his injury, this might be a blessing in disguise because who buys an injured player? I said that earlier today. I said I think if anything. And I said it. I said I don't want people to think I want him to be injured. But a silver lining to him being injured is no more Bayern Munich interest. Um, it sounds horrible, but it's like Bayern Munich ain't going to come after him now. The, let me start the, the discussion there, Terry. I'll bring it right to you. Sorry to yeah. interrupt you, but no, no, I, okay, I just want to bring this in because uh, if let's 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 start with the Callum Hudson Odoi situation. So let's talk about Bayern Munich before we go on to his injury, or we can combine it. I just want to put this into so that you can also address this. Um, there's actually uh, quite a few reports coming out of Germany tonight or today that Bayern Munich is has tabled an offer and has 
already gone into the negotiations with uh, Fiorentina for Federico Chiesa, which is a right winger. So could that spell already them saying, oh, he's injured, we're looking elsewhere? Yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if that's them now basically saying well, we've done with Hudson and Adoy for the time being at least. They might come back to him in a, in a year or two, who knows, depending on whether... Um, um, Hudson actually gets around. Uh, sorry, Callum gets around to signing the the uh, the new contract offer offered by the club. Um, in terms of um, Bayern Munich now seeking towards Federico Chiesa, who in my opinion is a seriously underrated winger and should deserve a lot more praise in the football world because I think he's very very good and underrated. Um, it seems like then they they've moved the. They've moved their attention towards him, and they're also still being rumoured and strongly linked with Nicolas Pepe from Lille. So it, it seems like Bayern Munich are looking elsewhere, but I don't. I wouldn't say never say never in terms of them coming back. But you can definitely tell Bayern Munich are in a, a renovation period, so to speak. They're completely rebuilding. It's just a shame that a certain team from West Ham can't take. Uh, a page out of their rule book and do the exact same, but we'll leave it there for that. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, let's maybe say this. If he does stay, uh, the injury might help. And Andy, I don't actually think it's controversial because I think many, many Chelsea fans thought that. I think it's only that people might think it's controversial that one wants a player to be injured. But that is, of course, Mm. not the case with both you and Terry. And I, I agree uh, and before I put this question to Matisse, um, what could this injury do now for Chelsea? Because as you mentioned beforehand, Hudson Odoi, barring in Hazard, is basically our best attacking player at the moment. Um, I know Pedro did well on the last game before Burnley, but he has been consistently more dangerous than the others, even including our strikers. So how detrimental could this be? to Chelsea for the rest of the season? For me, until the rest of the season, it's 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 awful, you know. We've got massive Europa League games coming up and once again, teams are going to look at this and they're going to be like, oh, okay, so your second most dangerous winger is, you know, injured and the other two elder wingers can turn it on and turn it off whenever, hot and cold. So we're going to just basically man-mark Hazard out of the game and see what you've got. And it's been proven more times than not this season that when you do that, you, you're more likely to get something out of us. So that's a worry. And Arsenal will know that. So if we have them in the final, that's a massive, massive problem because they'll know us very well. Um, Long term, I mean, it all depends on now if the ban is frozen. If it's not frozen, we have a massive issue because it's going to be very hard to, for the board to have the nerve to clear any deadwood wingers, which there are two, when you've got your, um, your a youngster injured and Hazard's leaving. So that means the Deadwood sticks around for longer. And if it is frozen, then fantastic, because we're fortunate enough to have a lot of up-and-coming promising um, wingers in the world right now at Ajax, um, at Lille, at Florentino, as you've mentioned. And if the board have the eyes to see them, then there are options out there. But if it's if it's if if the band's not frozen, then we have a serious issue here because I don't think Pulisic is ready to carry this team. Um, that wasn't really his job description. It was more to come in and you know help out and progress as a footballer. Um, 
I don't think, I, I, for me, Pulisic should have been even a rotation option. I don't think he should have even been guaranteed starts every single game, let alone having to carry the team. So, yeah, it's a big, big issue for me. Mm. Um, well, that is, of course, the downside to his injury. Um, I want to just quickly talk about one one aspect, because when he injured himself yesterday and it came out that it was a rupture that he ruptured his Achilles tendon. I know it wasn't his knees, but it reminded me of a certain Fernando Torres. Uh, Once he came back with uh, his injury from his injury, he wasn't the same player. I'm not saying that this will be the case with uh, Hudson. (laughs) He's quite a bit younger and um, it's not his knees, which can be more pivotal in keeping up your pace, etc. But could there be a problem for Chelsea uh, coming up where you'd say he might not be the same player as we were saying with Kurt Zuma when he uh, had his problem against, I think it was Man United a few years ago. Mm. Um, Terry, what, what, what do you think? There is a possibility we can't rule out that it could be a detriment to him, to his long-term career. We can't be naive to think that's not the case, but we just have to stay positive for his sake and he's got to stay positive for his own sake to see it as, as just an injury he's just got to get over. If he can stay mentally strong through this, and because he's such a young age, he's still got years and years and years left in his career. Um, if he stays positive in a mental aspect, if he just doesn't force himself back, rush himself back, because Achilles tendons or injuries, you cannot rush back. You, you literally have to wait for that Achilles to fully heal it's not like other injuries you could try and um, play with and try and get through Achilles tendon you just like it's absolute no you can't even try it Um, he's got to be patient he's got to stay strong mentally Um, if he surrounds himself with people that can help him stay positive stay happy and and if he just trusts his ability when he does come back and trusts himself not to worry that that potential injury coming back um, I think, deep down, I think he should be okay. And I think we'll still see him um, have the high potential that he can offer. But at the same time, we still got to, be, got to heed a little bit of caution and accept that there is a, there is a small chance it, it, it might um, prevent him from reaching the top. But I'm going to stay very optimistic and feel that it's just more of a, a stopgap in his career than anything else. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the best thing we can do. I think you mentioned something very important here. It's also the fans, if they stay positive, that can, of course, influence a player, especially at his age, because he wants to be reading, uh, get well soon, uh, this will be no problem, because if he's only reading how bad an injury this is, I mean, he just has to look down and he can see that mm. it's not good, then, you know, this this can all help. And I think, in the, the the Daily Mail reported today, four months is his prognosis, and there have been cases where it's taken up to ten months. So if really it is only four months, that isn't that bad. And he did walk around. Um, Andy, what 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 did you think make of that? Because there have been people saying, "What the hell was the Chelsea medical staff doing yesterday, letting him run around?" Or was it even maybe a stupid mistake by? Hudson Odoi uh, to you know noticing oh there's something really wrong I'll just try and go on. Well I ain't no 
doctor, so um, I, I won't. Of course, but you were a play. That. You know, you played yourself, and uh... well, yeah. I mean, it's always the case that when you when you're injured, it mostly turns out um, worse than than you think it is at, at at the first glance. Usually, because you're still in 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 the moods uh, of of playing, you still have the adrenaline in your in your body, and once mm. that settles. Everything comes down, comes down, and um, you actually see. Well, it's actually a bit more than I, I just had, you know, a, a bad step or anything. But yeah, I think um, it's very good and and valuable that you uh, mentioned the mental side of of an injury as well, because that's what what it comes down to a lot of times. I think there's other than getting injured at the wrong side of 30, there's not really a worse uh, moment to, to get injured than at 18 years of age where Callum Hudson-Doyle just broke into the team and was was tearing defences to shreds because that's where you usually build your, your confidence for the rest of your career. And it's also worrying that it is not some other kind of, of injury. It's, it's, it's about the Achilles because... Um, it is the way he plays, the pacey mm. winger that he is. Yeah. He causes threat to every opposition. And that's because he's quick, but not only that, he takes chances. And he and he does things other players wouldn't even allow themselves to think about. And, you know, when you, you're getting a bit... An, an injury is not only a limit to your body, it's also the mindset that you think, all right, maybe I don't do the step more I did yeah. before. It ages you also in your brain. And that's what worries me, that Callum Hudson-Odoi turns into a player who is just not taking the chances anymore. But yeah. maybe this is uh, this is something that just worries me because out of the situation with Chelsea, we rely so much on him becoming the player he obviously shows the potential to be. And every single thing that made me doubt it, you know, that, that is obviously a worry for me. But yeah, uh, I hope... He's getting he's getting back soon. He will be missing uh, preseason, which is also a downside because usually yeah. uh, takes takes a lot of time when you miss preseason. You know, you're getting maybe he's getting back into training in September, October. So once he is onto his full potential, it might come January, and who yeah. knows where we will be standing in the league once that happens. Mm. Spot on. Also, because you mentioned that January, he'd only have if he doesn't sign a new contract, he'd only have half a year left, and he could already be negotiating with another club mm-hmm. in theory, which would, you know, that could that be catastrophic after Hazard leaves, which I'd expect every one of us already knows that that'll be the case. So, Matisse, I, I want to bring in no, I know they he doesn't say. Sorry if I miss miss said that. Um, so, Matisse, what what do you think? Chelsea top four. Can it happen? Not via the league, it can't. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I wish I could say it could, but um, if you can't beat Burnley at home, you know, with that starting lineup that we put out, and Burnley being a team that just really, I mean, they, they did show fight, and that's a lesson to everyone in the Premier League that it doesn't matter where you are in the league, they will. there's always a fight at, at hand. But we have Manchester United away next, who I assume will get a beating from Manchester City. So they shall be riled up and they'll be riled up regardless because they've just been slapped by Everton and they're out of the Champions League. So they have to um, pull themselves together as well. And I don't see this team 
as poor as my United are in their form right now, I don't see this team um, going up there and having the mentality. We don't have the best record at Old Trafford. We never did, even with our soldiers. And it's not an easy place to go regardless of their form because they've got a massive stadium. It's a lot of pressure. And I remember us going there under Conte. And I think, um, I'm not sure what season it was, but we got hammered one of the seasons. I think it may have been his second season. Um, and I just don't, I don't see it with this team. You know, there, there's a lot of missing elements personality-wise in the team that they lack to even go to a place like Old Trafford and get a result. And we have to win the game after t- um, after yesterday. And I don't see that happening. Hopefully via the Europa League, it all depends on who we get in the final. I think if we get Arsenal, it's going to be a very difficult game. That's very 50-50. Um, Valencia, they won't know as much about us, so that's 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 good. <laughs> You're already um, talking about the final. I mean, look, I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I I am more confident about the semi final because of the poor um, result yesterday. I mean, we have to win now, do you know. And I think because we did so poorly against Burnley, and now top four is looking very ropey. I think that only strengthens our chances against Frankfurt. I know it's weird, but. That's how I'm looking at it because I'm looking at this team and a lot of them are going to be here next year, especially if the ban isn't um, frozen. And do they really want to be playing Europa League? I've seen a lot of people say on Twitter, um, we don't deserve it. No, we don't. Of course, we don't deserve Champions League football. But to say that you don't want it because the team isn't ready or Mm -hmm. the financial implications are ridiculous. Like we can't go two years of our Champions League football. If you want the squad to be overhauled, um, the sponsorship deals that impact this as well. They're not expecting Europa League football t- two seasons in a row. Um, I think I think we have a new deal actually starting next season. I'm not sure what who it is, but we've just start, signed with Nike, Yokohama as well, fairly new. They're not interested in any Europa League rubbish. So we do need to be... I mean, with the owner not putting the money as it is, we, we can't afford to be in Europa League next season. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm really hoping we are in the Champions League. If I could just interject there, I'm not sure that the sponsors are that much that that bothered anymore because the Premier League is such a lucrative league and Chelsea is yeah. such a big club. You know, if they're in the Europa League or in the Champions League, look at Arsenal. You know, they couldn't care less as long as the people come to the games again and again. They're always getting new sponsorship deals, despite actually being under the Europa League. You mentioned it. We've got a few new deals this year. And we had them also in 2015-16 and we didn't even get into the Europa League there. So, you know, I don't think that is that much of an impetus for our hierarchy to say, you know, we really need to invest as long as the money comes in. And that's why, as you, I think it was you, Matisse, or Mm. someone else said, we're getting more Arsenalitis. You know, it's, it's, it's more like Arsenal. It's, it's very, very worrying, but that's the way it's going. And yeah, I mean, that's something we have to look into. But to continue with, can we get into the top four, Terry? What's your take? Before, before I, uh, I've got my opinion about the top four, the, the thing that I feel that gets overlooked now is that it's a top six league, our league. And we can't keep, even though, even though I want us to finish top four, it's going to be hard to always constantly get into the Champions League every season. Now, there's always going to be two big teams in the Premier League. Always going to miss out every season. So, it's it's just something you have to consider. I'm not saying that using that as excuse. I'm just saying that it, it's just going to get to the point now where we it, it wasn't like back in the early 2000s, mid mid to late 2000s, where it was literally just four teams turning up every season and getting it. Um, we have to just take into consideration two other teams have joined the fold 
in Liverpool, uh, in Manchester City and Tottenham. But in terms of top four predictions, um, I was hoping the Arsenal to win last night would give us a bit more of a, um, a cemented spot in the top four. But I still didn't think, even if we won, I said it earlier in the in the show, that I don't think even if we did win, it would have been a case of, right, that's it, our, uh, our fate is sealed in terms of Champions League football next season by the league. I put a tweet out, I think it was after, yeah, I think it was after Arsenal losing against Palace on Sunday, where I said this week, not just our game, but the... Um, the other games involving Tottenham, Arsenal and Man United, this week decides who gets top four. I think after this week, it, I think it's just a matter of who finishes third and who finishes fourth, in my opinion. But this week will definitely decide it. Um, Tottenham against Brighton, that's a, that's, a start, that's a guaranteed three points if you've ever seen them, mm-hmm. so I'm not even worried about that. But the Wolves came for Arsenal, which is away, and their away form is just as bad as ours, so... I'm hoping for something there. And then obviously, in my opinion, the biggest game of the season now, which is against Man United, it's actually, it's, even though we've got Frankfurt coming up straight after, we have to take Man United on Sunday as the biggest game of our season. Um, we, It's crazy to think, I mean, something that Matisse put on about how we've not had a good run, but we're actually statistically the best team against Manchester United in the Premier League. We've had the most wins against them since the Premier League era began, which is... But away from home. Yeah, of course, away from yeah. home. It's not yeah, as I strong, think... but what we need to also consider that we, we have picked up a few wins at Old Trafford. But like I said, that's all in the past. We can't really go on that. Um, it, Man United is going to be an awkward one because they're, they're defensively, they're just as shambolic as we are that they are and in midfield they don't offer as much as as we do I think it I think Sunday's game pretty much is a case of what attack line um, does better and if you were to say to me going into that game we've got a, back ta- a better attack line even though we've got Eden Hazard who I think is one of the top three players in the world apart from him I'd take Man United's attack line over ours any day of the week right now yeah um, I'm not saying they're fantastic, but I'd rather have Rashford and Lukaku over Higuain, and I'd rather have the likes of Martial and Mao over William and Pedro, most for certain. Um, Fair point. And I just genuinely believe it it, it comes down to this, this, this week in particular. I know I'm not saying Watford and Leicester are going to be uh, guaranteed six points, but if we get a point out of Man United, we're definitely we're still in it. And I said I said it last night as well. It's not over because the Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United are still dropping points left, right, and centre as well. It's almost like no one wants to take the top four. It's almost like after you, no, I insist, no, please, no. And it's like no one wants top four. It's almost like. It's getting to the point where Man City and Liverpool have to put their B teams in to just get the top four places sorted for next season sort of scenario. But if we get a point at Man United, it's going to be awkward. If we win, we're right back in it. I firmly believe we'll be right back in it. If we lose, then it's absolutely dead in the water. Literally, this is the most important Mm. game of our season now. All right. Yeah. That, fair points. Fair points. Uh, Andy? 
What do you well, think? Yeah, I have to disagree. I don't think uh, the midfield of uh, of ours is better than Manchester United's. And usually games like that where everything comes down to actually these, these 90 minutes, especially for Manchester United as well, because they are going to lose against Manchester City for certain. And it's their last chance and they have to win. It's usually games where big characters win the game. And when I look into our team, there's only one man I can think about. And if I look to Manchester United's team, they're actually two or three individuals where I think, well, if you play a Romelu Lukaku, even Paul Pogba and, and Marcus Rashford, they can win the game. Um, David De Gea has been on bad form, but he can win the game as well, um, just by, by saving them from conceding. And um, yeah, I expect a high-scoring game and who knows who's going to win, but Manchester United, I agree with Matisse here, is more likely to win it. And it all comes down to that game, more or less. Um, if we don't win it, we better... Well, we have to take a chance there. We, we have to put all the eggs in one basket and, and try to win at Manchester United. Um, because if we don't, um, you just don't know what's going to happen against Frankfurt. You just don't know. Because they have such a euphoria around this club. And um, I think eyebrows will be raised when we play the first game there in in the Waldstadion, the uh, Commerzbank Arena, whatever it is called these days. Um, they are going to be so up for it. And I'm, I'm, I'm fearing that game because when we return from Germany with maybe... A zero two in 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 the bag or something. Um, you can almost forget it. So we we have to focus on so many things at one time, and we are not capable of focusing on one thing properly. So <laughs> if 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 I'm honest, I think it's more likely that we don't win the Europa League and don't make top four. Um, but if one thing is more likely than the other, then it, it is winning the Europa League because top four is looking really. Difficult for us after the draw yesterday. Mm. Yeah, I, I can only agree with that. I think, um, as many have mentioned already, uh, also on Twitter, the Europa League is our best best shot at getting into the Champions League next season. But you know what? I, I'm not even sure that we have the squad to really compete. Because as Arsenal fans, for example, if you watch Arsenal Fan TV, they've been saying, what's the point of being in the Champions League if you can't compete? I know there's the financial revenue and all that, but, you know, I, I want the Chelsea to play in the Champions League to compete, to win it. You know, like, I want to replicate 2012. And then you have our squad. They're not going to get even near it. We'd have to be playing against some really crap teams that have really crap days. And that's not... Uh, well, actually, no, I'm gonna, not going to kid myself. I wouldn't buy that either. But still, you know, it, it, we, we, we'd we need a miracle. And it's all about, as Matisse said, can we uh, get this freezing of our transfer ban or not this summer? And then again, the next hurdle would be, will our board actually do anything? And I don't think that if we get into the top four or not actually matters I'll be honest, the papers always say, yeah, Maritza Sarri's uh, future hangs in the balance because do we get in the Champions League or not? I don't think they care. I think it's more about the, we need to get this amount of money in and we've got a, a coach in Maritza Sarri who says, you know, I don't care, you know, I'll get the play, I'll do with the players whatever you want. You know, you give me the players, I'll do it. And that that's, that's the thing. So it's difficult. Terry? There's no passion in the board anymore. No, 
There's very no, much. So. I, think, I mean, you can go back as far as saying since 2012 they've lost passion. I think, I think what it was is because Abramovich's plan was to win and dominate everything, but we done it in such a quick amount of time compared to other teams. It's almost like oh, we've done what we wanted to do. I, I genuinely believe. I mean, you could say since the. Uh, since the last season, well, since fourteen fifteen, when Mourinho won it again, his third title. Since then, Chelsea have not even been remotely the same club. We've been in free fall. We've been in decline. There's no passion. There's no commitment. There's no desire. All this stuff about oh, Bramovich can't come to the but what's stopping him communicating with the club? He can still come to the country. He just can't stay in the country. He can still communicate. He still converse. He can still. There's no passion at the board anymore. They're well, more be, worried about. Yeah, we don't know how much he communicates, Terry. You know. Well, okay, granted, we, but, yeah. but you can definitely sense though there is a lack of passion there. It's not the same anymore. It definitely is, and I think yeah. it's like you said. I think the club's more worried about just meeting financial fair play spreadsheets now than anything else, and more worried about meeting profit margins and being self-sufficient. There's no. There's no burning desire in this club anymore, and no. even and even if we do get the chance of ban to be lifted, let's be brutally honest. Can you even trust the board with their recent investment? No. I mean, to be fair, that's a whole new uh, new topic. And I mean, as much as I really would like to go into detail about that, um, we've unfortunately haven't got much time left because it's already over uh, 50 minutes now. <laughs> and I mean, that is a topic which I think we could probably speak a whole episode on its you know in itself definitely. and i mean we can definitely do that in the future but uh for today i think we'll leave it at that despite not being the best outlook um so as always we always like to end our episodes uh by giving our guests or guests in this case the opportunity to plug themselves course first of all thank you very much to the both of you for coming on it's been a, a very good discussion despite the uh negativity uh, revolving around the club at the moment but nevertheless brilliant to talk and very much looking forward to coming back on in the future and so that our listeners can of course find you as well please do plug, plug yourself matisse please start, uh, do us the honors um, you can find me on Twitter, Matisse Amani, or just um, type in M-A-H and that should pop up as well. So, yeah. Very, very much in, encourage you to do because Matisse's videos have been uh, coming on, I think, a few, a few weeks now. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's very enjoyable, very good insight on the point and would very much encourage you to subscribe. Terry. Thanks. You can find me on Twitter at Sazio1984, but I'm also tagged as Forever Blue on Twitter. And you can also find me on the Chelsea Echo website as a senior writer at ChelseaEcho.com. Not much to add there. Uh, of course, in the, you know, as we mentioned, the Chelsea Echo do also follow the Chelsea Echo, uh, for whom we all work, um, so to speak. Uh, if you want to keep up with all the newest news, then that's the place where you want to find it. And for us, of course, the Tacking 2, please do subscribe to us on YouTube. 
please do follow us on Twitter and give us a good rating on iTunes. It will be very much appreciated. And that's all for this week. Join us next week as we will be recording again on the Monday, not the Tuesday. And we'll have a brilliant guest on once again. That's all from us and keep the blue flag flying high.